fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Habner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Pile What's going on? It's your boy, the Wolf of Roto Street. RotoStreetJournal.com. We breed and feed you fantasy wolves. Here, it's Tuesday. It's 7 p.m. Eastern time. And you know that means it's waiver wire time. Going into the week eight waiver wire for you folks. Diving on into the top pickups you can make in your fantasy football leagues. We'll dive into some guys that are out there in right around 50% of leagues. Maybe a little bit more. The first checklist. Guys that could have been dropped. So you want to double check them before we then dive into all the players that are at least uh, 50% are under rostered in Yahoo is where we look at for our ownership projections. And then last but not least, we'll dive into some defensive streamers, some Hail Marys, and just honorable mentions to get you everything you need to dominate in week eight. Almost halfway through the season, we'll pack. It is absolutely nuts. I cannot believe it. But folks, if you're out there, you don't mind hitting that thumbs up button early and often. It helps us get out to more people. It's so greatly appreciated. If you want to wait till you hear a few things, and if you like what you hear, then hit it. Totally fine. Make us earn the like. That's great too. But we'd love it. We'd appreciate the support. It'd be so great. And if you're new to the pack, you haven't already subscribed to the channel, we continue to grow. We're really close to that 3K goal. Love to see it, Wolfpack. Please do consider if you enjoy the show today and you haven't already subscribed, we're live four times a week answering your questions. And on that note, get those questions on in, Wolfpack, so we can help you dominate and personalize this show. Before we get into all that news, though, I had to drive into James Robinson going to the New York Jets happening last night. I have not been able to address this live, so I want to take a few minutes to go through how I think this falls out. The only obvious takeaway from this is that Travis Etienne is going to the moon at this point. Huge fan of his rest of season outlook. In fact, I rank him right around Kenneth Walker, Joe Mixon, that tier of like low-end running back ones. I really, truly believe that's what Etienne's ceiling and floor is getting up there too, now without James Robinson there. Now we look at the backfield this week with Robinson there. They were already kind of foreshadowing Etienne takeover. Over 80% of the snaps, 57 of 71, every single third down nearly all the early downs, and also over half the goal line work. It was a beautiful showing. 67% of rushing attempts, 91% long down and distance, 82% of the two-minute, 57% of the short yardage work, uh, 100% of the goal line attempts too. So when he was on the field, he was getting used in those short yardage situations. That was a running back one, low-end running back one profile already. Now you get the only potential thorn in his side, James Robinson, out. Michael Hasty, the only other guy there. Maybe a speculative added himself. Nonetheless, this is clearing the path for Etienne season. The runway is completely open for blast off, folks. This guy is a supreme talent. And with that increased usage, it wasn't like, yeah, he got usage but didn't do anything. 14 carries, 114 yards, and a score. The only thing that's really missing, he only had one catch for five yards. And remember, coming into the league, his whole biggest asset was his pass-catching ability, how explosive he was in space. So we could see that get leaned upon even further now with looking like an 80 to 90% snap guy each and every week. Travis Etienne, lock him into your top 15 rest of the season. Running backs, top 10 upside, pretty stacked top 10. So when it's like slotting him in, it was really tricky. Where to figure it out, you can find those rest of season rankings 
at rotostreetjournal.com pinned to the top. So check him on out. Actually, off the top of my head, I don't even remember what exact ranking he was. I was not trying to like withhold the information from you. I believe it was 12 right below Joe Mixon, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So Travis Etienne goes to the moon. What's the shakeout here for the New York Jets? First, before we dive into that, just a prayers up for Brees Hall. Pour one out. One of the most legendary early rookie seasons of recent memory. The guy was a monster and only getting better by the week. So sucks to know Brees Hall's breakout season, rookie season, gets cut short. Uh, it's sickening. I, I'm trying to like keep a positive face and chat here. Uh, it sucks. It really, really sucks. Anybody that had him out there, you know, I'm sorry. Like this blows. Let's move forward, though, and talk about what this backfield looks like because we are sickos in fantasy and we just have to move forward and tell you what is next. Michael Carter, he's actually only 66% rostered. So on a waiver wire show, I wanted him to be one of the first first checks. He would definitely be one of my top priority ads this week, even with James Robinson there. Without Brees Hall, once Brees Hall was out, we saw 75% of the snaps go to Michael Carter. That's in line with a lot of the workhorse games we saw last year. Uh, He ultimately ran 60% of the routes, all but two, without Brees Hall once he was removed. He had 62% of the carries, but all but one without Brees again. So dominant snap share, workload share once Brees was removed. I, of course, don't expect that to continue fully with James Robinson. Why would you trade for James Robinson if you weren't going to actually use him? And I think James Robinson, I'm a huge Robinson believer. I thought he's looked pretty spry, at least to begin the year, coming off a torn Achilles. I He's looked as good as anybody has ever had coming off that, you know, was the running back three in fantasy for the first three weeks, 19, 15, 20 fantasy points. I think J-Rob's still a beast. I just think it was time to move on and go to the Travis Etienne show here. So I don't know that this trades any slight on J-Rob. Yeah, he's had a few sluggish moments and still shaking off a little of that injury rust here with two, five, six, and then a whopping zero fantasy points across his last four, 15% of the snaps last week. It, it, the time has come for him to go somewhere else. What a perfectly open backfield, though. This line is top 15 in the league right now, according to Pro Football's composite grades. They're blocking well. It's not a great offense. They're like, you know, bottom half of the league in points. Zach Wilson sucks. Seventh fewest pass attempts in the league per game. But that's okay for us in the running backs. The running backfield, they are getting into the red zone. They are scoring points when they need to. Uh, So ultimately, I think J-Rob is right around where you would have had him not early season where he was, again, top three running back in the league with the, the points he was putting out. But that middle of the pack, about 55 60% of the snaps, I think, go to Michael Carter, about 45 to 50. Depending on game flow, I do think we see James Robinson more of the hammer roll for a team that's playing great defense, that's getting ahead, and then just pounding teams late with Brees originally. I could see that becoming the James Robinson just hammer them out. Now, he's no Brees, not going to put up that type of production. Brees said, the only running back other than, I think, Christian McCaffrey and Austin Eckler to not have a bottom 24 game. He was monster. That's not going to happen here with James Robinson. He's not as diverse, certainly not as good of a pass catcher, though it's in his wheelhouse. He was a three-down back for his first two seasons with the uh, the Panthers there. I mean, the Panthers, the Jaguars there. Uh, so ultimately, I do think we see the split favor Carter, but it's it's a little bit messy. I would consider them both low-end running back two-ish, like – running back 25 through 35. I know that's kind of a messy situation, but around the Kareem hunts of the world to see if one of them truly does separate. If one did, I think it'd be Carter, the incumbent. But again, I don't think they trade 
for James Robinson without the intent to use him, even though it was only a six-round pick. So that's how I see this all shaking out. Just to summarize one more time, Travis Etienne to the moon, a top 15 running back, top 10 ceiling rest of the year. We were already seeing the takeover. This locks it in. Then I think about a 50-55 uh, to 45 split favoring Carter, who will also get more of the pass catching work, making him the more valuable guy, 66% rostered. I'd say worth a 15 to $20 bid out there. So that is my take on this news. Let me know what your thoughts are in the comments on this James Robinson situation on the Jags. Get those questions on in. And one more time, we'll pack that thumbs up button. It's greatly helpful. Now, moving on to your first check. I said already Michael Carter, but I would go this guy 100% over him. That's George Pickens. I think this guy is set to light it up. He already kind of did since week four, since we first started getting Kenny Pickett in action, Pickens leads the Steelers in targets, leads them in receiving yards. That's while only playing around 75% of the snaps over the span. I don't understand why he's not an every down player. The guy's a monster blocker. Uh, he should be in there over Deontay, in my opinion, on running situations to just throw people out of the club the way he pancakes people. He's also, you know, again, this week, only six targets hauls in all six of them though. He's making highlight plays after highlight plays, 61 yards and a score. The most fantasy points, again, among all Steelers receivers since Pickett took over. This is Pickett's boy, the Pickett to Pickens connection. There's no way the Steelers in their shitty situation right now are going to go backwards and go to Trubisky. They're seeing what they have in this kid. And so I imagine Pickett plays in barring injury the rest of the year. We've seen that target share go up by the week with him and don't forget, there's trade rumors that Claypool, apparently the Packers all in trying to get this guy as hard as they can. I would love that. You know, fantasy gods, please get Claypool there. He'd be a monster top 25 potential receiver, maybe even top 20 upside. That's how good Claypool could be if he's the featured off weapon in an offense. He would dominate in Green Bay. Uh, but that would also free up Pickens to then be an every snap player. Deontay Johnson, a higher target share. Given that, you know, we saw 10 targets to Deontay, 8 to Claypool, and 6 to Pickens, but again, it's Pickens doing far more with his work, just feasting, making highlight play after highlight play. It's anybody with eyeballs can see this kid is the absolute real deal and should be on your fantasy radars. Uh, if he's somehow out there in your league, I think he's a locked in wide receiver three moving forward with Pickett at the helm here. Now diving in to the players that are 50% or fewer rostered in your league, a guy that I thankfully stashed. If you'd watched our Sunday show, you would have known Gus Edwards was getting the first team reps and early uh, the, the warm-up for the game, and it came to fruition. He was the clear lead back in this one with 16 carries out of the 14, 42. He ultimately racked up um, a whopping – it didn't go crazy yards per clip here, but 66 yards. The big thing was the two scores, goal line plunge ins. That's what Edwards always been a maven at, the goal line, just churning yards yards and more yards like the guy's career averages around 5.0 I know Harditz has some great stats about how he's in like the elite of the elite company in terms of his ability to put up over 800 yards and at over five yards a clip through his first three seasons like he, it's like Jamal Charles it's, it's crazy the company uh that Gus Edwards is in in terms of his efficiency as a runner and he looked I thought he looked pretty spry like slimmed down a little bit the bus is still the bus he can still truck but I was really impressed with just the physical shape he was in coming off an ACL. Dobbins seemed hesitant and slow when he first came back. The, the bus was just steamrolling, going for it. And ultimately, he took over the backfield. We haven't seen Dobbins even approach uh, 12 carries, never mind 16. So he walked right into a massive workload. The thing is, though, it looks a little bit better 
than the underlying usage might suggest. He is my number one pickup. I do think you go 25 to 30% of your fab just because this was his get, get his feet under him, get your feet wet type of game. Two touchdowns and 16 carries. I mean, that's a great spot to be in. But you do have to keep in mind, none of the running backs, including Gus, saw over 40% of the snaps. 23 snaps to Gus, 20 to Justice Hill, 17 to Kenyon Drake. I mean, it was kind of a nightmare in that type of rotation. That's what the Ravens' backfield has consistently been with Greg Roman. But Edwards definitely had the part of, like, Mark Ingram. You remember a couple of years ago, Mark Ingram was like a top 15 running back, even with just playing around 55% of the snaps. I could definitely see that type of ceiling for Gus Edwards. So this isn't the type of guy where it's like Kenneth Walker a few years ago, a few years, a few weeks ago, where you blow all your fab, make sure to lock this guy up. No, that's not the case here. The ceiling's definitely a little capped compared to that. But I do think Gus Edwards could be a very, very solid, nice locked in running back to the rest of your season here. Even when J.K. Dobbins, that's like, again, why you shouldn't blow it all because Dobbins will be back in about four more weeks and then what does this get even messier potentially? But it does seem like the team is much more willing to let Edwards shoulder that workload, that 16 to 20 carries. Clearly love him at the goal line as they always have throughout his career. So I think there's every week touchdown upside here with about 14 to 20 carries any given week. And a great run scheme for a guy that, again, looked more spry than before he got hurt. I like it a lot. That's why I'm willing to spend about 25 to 30% of my fab here to go get Gus Edwards wherever he's available. There's other starting running backs also available, though. This is one of the few weeks where we get a lot of actual talent at the top end of the waiver wire. That's Chuba Hubbard and potentially Dante Foreman. Now, Foreman barely cracks this list at 51% rostered, so it feels a little bit like cheating to have him in here. But I do want to mention which one of them I prefer, why I prefer them. A lot of people are going to tell you to lean to Chuba Hubbard, even though at 37% rostered, he is not the more widely owned option because he started the game, you know, nine carries, 63 yards, touchdown, looked good, two catches and 10 yards as well. He did play about 60% of the snaps through the first three quarters, saw 66% of the carries through the first three quarters. It was about a 60-40 split favoring Chuba, uh, and Chuba looked pretty damn good for what it's worth. I still have always been a big Foreman guy, and Chuba did get hurt, and that's kind of the rub with him is he's not as stable as a, a beast like Foreman is. And once Chuba was out, we saw Foreman rip off a 60-yarder, a 27-yarder, chunk gain after chunk gain, ultimately going 15 carries, 118 yards, while also adding two catches for 27 yards on his two targets. So, yes, Chuba was the first option up. I don't think that really matters when Foreman looked as good as he did with Chuba a little banged up. I think Foreman enters this week as the number one guy here and ultimately takes a hold of that. Remember last year, he was a top 20 running back during those last weeks, 12 through 17. Uh, when Derrick Henry was down, he took over that backfield. He had three of those weeks were in the top 15 running back performances. He finished with the eighth most rushing yards in the NFL, 264 in that span as a starter, 13th among all backs and yards uh, before contact per attempt. Like the guy was churning, Dr. Foreman was. So I do think he's the ultimate guy that takes over this backfield. I think it will always be about a 60-40 split, but I think that Foreman ends up being at the top of that, even if Chuba started that way this week. I'm a bigger fan of Foreman. All that to say, though, Chuba is the one that's more likely to be out there in your backfield. Maybe he is. This is all guessing. I'm deep insider by any means. Chuba was the first man up. So if he's out there in your league, he still also deserves to be on rosters. And both of them are very viable. Week eight against Atlanta. Seventh most points to running backs. 
Certainly an off a defense that allows plenty of big plays, plenty of scoring opportunities. So both of those guys are in play in week eight. I do prefer Foreman to Hubbard just very slightly. Both of them great pickups, both worth about 20 to 25%, a little less than Edwards, but right there. Uh, not again, similar to Edwards, cap ceilings in that. It's not like Rashad White if something happened to Lenny. It's not like Alexander Madison if something happened to Dalvin Cook. Two guys we're going to talk about momentarily. Uh, but still, starting running backs, the offense also looked pretty competent with P.J. Walker. So maybe this Panthers team could actually have some viable running back two numbers down the stretch here between these two guys. My number one wide receiver pickup of the week is Wandale Robinson. He was my number two receiver last week. Alec Pierce was on top of the list. I would much rather have Wandale Robinson moving forward from this point on. He had six catches, 50 yards, and just saw a huge spike in snaps this week and ultimately saw a big snap in targets because of it. Now, he played 53 of the 76 snaps, ran 29 of 37 routes, and then led the team with his seven targets on those routes. At this stage right now, Wandale has 27.5% targets per route. That is far and away the highest on the Giants. And in fact, it is among the top 10 of all wide receivers who have run at least 50 routes in the NFL. So when he's out there, he gets used and he feasts. You absolutely love to see it from Wandale Robinson here. So big fan of this role. It did seem like I think he got a little bit dinged up in the game because those six catches for 50 yards – it was all in the first half. It was like everything ran through this guy. He looked electric. Break. You so much space between him and the D-backs because of how quick he is in and out of his breaks, how nimble he is with the ball in his hands. I loved everything I saw from Rondell Robinson this week. So, again, huge target share. Definitely gets open, commands the targets. Big fan of him moving forward as Danny Jones continues to impress and continues to improve by the week. Those are my top three guys. Now, before I keep going, we do have a super chat here from Wes C. Thank you so much for your support, Wes. Let's dive into this super chat for you. QB has cost me two weeks. Yeah, Goff has been my guy. It's been brutal these last couple of weeks. Uh, so trade Goff, Hawk, Josh Jacobs for Mahomes, Pierce, and Knox. Ooh, this is an interesting one. And in all honesty, I think I do it. Knox and Hawk. Wash doesn't really matter to me. If anything, Knox maybe has the higher touchdown upside. I'm, I'm not a fan of Hawk. I think the upgrade from Goff to Mahomes is humongous. Now, I know Jacobs versus D. Pierce. Like that's Jacobs is looking like a top four running back the rest of the year, maybe even number one. Like the, the, He's the pick of fantasy. Seventh round, eighth round, or even in some leagues, fifth even. Wherever you got him, you're probably sitting damn pretty if you have Josh Jacobs. Uh, given that 30 fantasy points in three straight weeks, monstrous. I don't, like, yes, he's bound to regress a little bit, but nothing about this role suggests he needs to regress either. He's dominating every snap, playing most of the passing down work too. Abdullah snuck in a little bit this week, but it's looking damn good for Jacobs. All that to say, though, like the, the gain from Mahomes to Goff definitely outweighs the gain from like Jacobs versus Pierce. I love Damian Pierce. I think he's an absolute stud. He's going to be seeing 20 plus carries every single week. And he's not going to be Jacobs level. Like this, we're talking about a top three running back and a top, you know, fifteen running back. But to me, the the gap between Mahomes and Goff is so astronomical. And I really do think this year the trend, just to talk about like the overarching philosophical view of the league right now, if you don't have like Hertz, 
Josh Allen or Mahomes, you're probably in a little bit of trouble. You certainly don't have the ceiling some of these other teams. So the, the fact that Mahomes is even available by this guy, like, yes, I would take this deal. Um, so, oh, you did trade Jacobs for Edmonds. My God. I don't know if you had him ranked above Edmonds or if you're saying you're like victory lapping me for having that. Cause I probably did, to be honest. Uh, unbelievable. But either way, uh, Wesley, I would pull the trigger on that deal. I would, I would love something like that to be offered to me right now as a golf uh, believer, <laughs> not even a believer, just like hopeless, hopeless uh, situation myself. So yes, I would pull that trigger. I think you're kind of selling high on Jacobs. I do think it comes down a little bit, whereas Pierce, like it won't be Jacobs level, but it would be damn close. Mahomes, 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 he's a stud. So yes, I would do this deal. Chat, let him know too what you think of this trade. Uh, but I absolutely would. So Wes, thank you again for the super chat. I would pull the trigger on that. As alluded to, and these we can move through these two real quick. Alexander Madison, 46% rostered, got cut in a lot of leagues because it was the bye week. And the real reason you're holding him is because you think an injury might happen to Dalvin Cook. It's happened every single year of his career. He's missed three-plus games in all but one season. At some point, Alexander Madison is going to start. And we saw last year he was top five in two of his three starts, like top 15 in all of them. He becomes an absolute monster. So Alexander Madison should not be out there in half of leagues. He should be rostered in every league, given Cook's injury history, given the upside we've already seen on him. So go check your wave wire. Was he dropped this last week? Because he's one of the handcuffs that has to be rostered, as does Rashad White. Both of these guys, I imagine, would be top 12 running backs if something happened to their starters. And I've said this every single time. I have Rashad White on my top 10 every time. He continues to be under 30% rostered. There's going to be a week where you are going to have to bid every single cent of your path. And it's going to be worth it if you get yourself stuck in that situation. But save that hassle. Pick up Rashad White now. In fact, he saw a season high in snaps, 43%. Routes, 41%. Carries, 40%. Coming off Lenny's worst day of the 2022 season, eight carries, 19 yards, and two catches for seven yards for Lenny. Ugh. And now I'm a Lenny fan. He's great. The, the usage has been great. But White continues to chip, 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 nibble away at the cheese. I think White is going to have some standalone value and ultimately remains one of the best handcuffs in fantasy football. So I have to continue to praise this guy each and every week. Maybe I just have to make a rule like I don't talk about him anymore because I have him on every single one of these. But Rashad White in a smash spot. If something happens to Fortnite, this is Alex Madison. So check those two guys out after those usable running backs. I would definitely look towards these running backs that you'd be blowing every single cent on to get. Now, if you need another usable back...
All right, well, Peck, I think I am back here. I don't know what's going on. My Wi-Fi just disconnected. Hopefully, you're still there. I appreciate your patience. For those of you that waited it out, my apologies. Uh, quick little Wi-Fi. They're doing, like, electrical work downstairs. So I have no idea what happened there. My apologies. I'm not sure exactly uh, where we cut off there. But thanks again so much for your patience and waiting for me. Let's continue forward. Um, I left off, and just to reiterate, I don't know how much you heard, so feel free to comment in on uh, where I left off. But I was just talking about Alexander Madison and Rashad White as dominant handcuffs, guys that you want to roster. Because if anything happens to their starters, you're going to be in an absolute smash spot. The only other guy that's kind of in that position that's out there in even more leagues is Jalen Warren. Uh, so big fan of Jalen Warren as well, should anything happen to Najee Harris. Uh, given that he's only seen 16 snaps compared to 59 for Harris, like Harris is back in that role, whereas Rashad White's a little bit different. He's going to have some standalone value too. But still, uh, that's why he's 30% rostered and Jalen Warren's only six. They definitely fit the same bill. But again, let me know in the comments, guys, if I got through all that, if you need me to repeat those guys. Moving on to a running back with some usability. Gus Edwards first, uh, then we got those Panthers running backs. But if you need some usability beyond them and you miss out on them, also consider Latavius Murray, 39% rostered, eight carries, 24 yards, and a score. Not overly sexy there. Meanwhile, though, Melvin Gordon, 11 carries, 33 yards, even worse. Two receptions for 17 yards. Looking at the backfield, Gordon did play the most snaps, 40 compared to 31 for Latavius Murray. Uh, so he was definitely the leader. But it seemed like as the game wore on, they got a little bit more frustrated with uh, with Melvin Gordon, as has been the case with his entire regime. And they started to go to Murray earlier and often. And ultimately, like, Murray didn't have a great stat line, but just by the eyeball test, he seemed to be running higher. And the big thing is he commanded all of the goal line work. Uh, so he's definitely going to be. For the Broncos. And again, sorry for these technical difficulties, folks. Uh, so I do like Latavius Murray. Um, I do think he's going to overtake Melvin Gordon as the lead back. Granted, we're talking about an offense that is dead last in points, has not top 300 total yards in a single game. Like This is a terrible, terrible team. But with Mike Boone... Folks, I apologize. I don't know what's going on with the work going on downstairs. It hopefully will be the last time I have to drop. It's coming in and out. Uh, but hopefully it's like at least what I'm talking is clear right now. Uh, so thank you again for your patience. This sucks. It's not something I'm happy about, like obviously. So hopefully it gets all good um, in the meantime here. I don't know um, what's happening. But we'll continue forward. Kyron Williams, my number seven pickup for the week. Uh, 
just a reminder, last time out, he averaged 72%. Um, Cam Akers has averaged 72% of the rushing attempts in their last four games. Uh, in the preseason, we had Adam Schefter raving about Kyron Williams, how much the team loved him, how much they wanted to use him. This is a guy that was a three-down, every-down back when he was at Notre Dame, 2,100 rushing yards, 31 touchdowns uh, over his final two seasons. Ultimately had uh, 14 touchdowns, 1,000 yards his senior year, in addition to 359 yards through the air, winning the most versatile player award for college football. So all that to say is he's got a unique skill set, three-down skill set that hopefully McVay could really capitalize upon. He can still be stashing your IR for now. So we talked about him last week. I'm just kind of reemphasizing a lot of the points we made last week. Definitely a guy you want to look out for. Yes, a, a negative athlete, not a real stunner of a profile here with a 3.37 relative athletic score, bottom you know percentile in most of his speed scores. That's what really bumped him down. Production was A+. Athletics and measurables were like F. So where do we meet in the middle? What happens here? Who knows? I always lean on the side of production over athleticism, though. Uh, we've seen him get it done in many different ways. Kind of like a CEH in that way. Not a ton of power, not a ton of like acceleration, but just kind of plows forward and gets it done. So definitely a guy. Daryl Henderson's the only guy he's competing with right now. I don't think the Henderson's anything special. So Kyron Williams could walk into a late season monstrous workload. But let's move to wide receivers. I know a lot of injuries at the position. So I want to highlight Elijah Moore, 42% rostered, uh, 4 to 6% of your fab. Seems like a great uh, option in case he gets traded. Now, they've already come out and said we cannot trade Elijah Moore. I don't expect to trade. But on the upside of him going to the Chiefs, going to the Packers, something crazy of that nature happening, I think Elijah Moore would truly be a top 20 wide receiver in either of those locations with legitimately top seven upside. That's how talented I think this kid is. He's just trapped in hell. And it sucks. We've seen it in Carolina with like DJ Moore, who finally emerged with all the other weapons around him getting traded. Finally could emerge for a decent game this year. I would hope Elijah Moore at minimum, even if he's trapped with the Jets this year, Corey Davis as a report sprained MCL should be about a two, maybe four week injury. Maybe that gives more the ground to regain his season, to regain that rapport. That's actually never really existed. It shouldn't really regain, gain the rapport with Zach Wilson, who is trash. He's been no better than, you know, passing games wise. The aerial pie is as bad as it is. Again, Carolina's like maybe the only one that's worse right now this year. Even Garrett Wilson started to crumble with uh, this. To, to think Joe Flacco had the most pass steps in the league the first three weeks. It's been night and day what this offense has changed to. And they're winning, so I imagine it will stay the same. But whether it's on the up, upside that Elijah Moore gets traded, whether it's just maybe he finds some footing here with no Corey Davis for the foreseeable future, it's worth going back to. Betting on talent typically pays out. Now, when surrounding situations are as bad as this is, maybe it won't hit this time. But I do believe in Elijah Moore. I also want to hit Paris Campbell, though. I, I would have had him higher on this list had they not made a quarterback change. And that's not because I think Matt Ryan's some world beater. But we know he loves throwing to Campbell. And we know he can get him the rock. We've now seen uh, 12 and 11 targets the last two weeks, 23. After he had 16 through the first five weeks of the season, he's become the offensive focal point. He had 10 catches on those 12 targets this week for 70 yards and a score. Looking better and better by the week. Looking more comfortable by the week. Playing time, he's always been like in the two receiver sets. So playing time's always been there. Now the just usage and the utilization is matching up with it. Um, he's got two touchdowns now across the past two weeks. He's got 127 across the past two weeks. Again, the only reason 
Campbell's not higher. He's flashing. He's looking good. It's because they're making the QB change to Sam Ellinger. Maybe that's a positive. Maybe Ellinger, if they didn't think it's a net positive for the team, I don't think they would do the move. But they're praising his mobility and their ability to open up the run game with Sam Ellinger. And I think this offense starts turning the rock back to Jonathan Taylor 25, 30 times. It becomes a run-obsessed team, if the line allows it at least. So I, I think Campbell, obviously impressed with what he's been doing, very impressed by the workload he's been seeing. But with the red flags, the quarterback change, probably the offensive philosophy change, to me, he's kind of the fool's gold this week. He's not somebody I would go bid you know, more than four to five bucks on, and that's only if I'm desperate for a wide receiver to start. Nothing against him, nothing against the role. Uh, just that I think it's just going to be a less fruitful situation than we've seen the last couple of weeks with Matt Ryan. I mean, they were third in the league in pass attempts with Matt Ryan right now. Uh, the last two weeks, I think they're first. So ultimately, I just don't see that volume continuing for Paris Campbell. And I rounded out my top 10 here with three tight ends. All of them, I think, could be low-end tight end ones moving forward. I'll go in the order I prefer them. But honestly, I, you got to trust your gut with these ones too because there's very little separating them. I do think KDOT, if Brate's out for another week, another three weeks, however long that ends up being, remember, he did get stretchered out. As long as he's out, KDOT is an every week tight end one. Had four catches, 64 yards on five targets. He had the longest reception of the day for Tampa Bay with 35. He's moving all over the formation. Brady's looking to him on third and fourth downs. He's an every snap player too. So Kate Otten in an offense that, yeah, it's been underwhelming. I want to say in a Tom Brady-led offense, woo, that, that has been nothing this year, right? But I do think moving forward, this offense can pick it up. Um, so yeah, I like Kate Otten quite a bit. Greg Dolchitz, another rookie tight end that's making waves here. Nine targets, six catches, 51 yards. He's now been top 12 in both of his weeks starting so far. One of them, yeah, was a busted coverage, great touchdown for him. But it was nice to see him continue to be highly used, uh, the most targeted guy besides Jerry Judy this week with Brett Ripien. Who knows if that continues with Russ Wilson, but I am a big fan of Greg Dolchess, the athleticism. He was li like labeled as a big receiver kind of guy coming out of UCLA. So I'm a big fan of him. And also Evan Ingram. He's higher rostered right now, 41%. He's also 11th in total yardage among tight ends right now, 275 yards. The only issue is he's just not scoring touchdowns. And that's why he's right around the fringe of your top 20 tight ends for fantasy points. But seven targets, four catches, 67. I mean, he is seeing some of the best usage that you can see at the tight end position. So I think Evan Ingram, definitely a high floor, low ceiling, but usable bankable like seven to ten points any given week and if the touchdowns did ever start coming man he could be a beast so big fan of those three tight ends i would probably rank them if it's a one week stream otten because i don't think Brate's going to play for thursday night football but if it's like a longer term thing i like dolchitz then ingram then otten i would say is the way i kind of it depends what you need a one week streamer or you need an every week tight end just a handful of honorable mentions here. I mention him every week, but Donovan Peoples-Jones did another one. Six catches, seven targets, 71 yards. Uh, solid day, really solid day for DPJ. And remember, Deshaun Watson, one of the best deep passers in the NFL his last time out, will be back in just a few weeks at this point. So DPJ, his best days are ahead, and he's already having some really solid days at 12% rostered. Give him a look, give him a stash, as maybe you should Robbie Anderson. Didn't do anything in week his first week with the team, but he only had like two days to get acclimated. You shouldn't have been expecting anything, 
but he might get cut by some impatient owners. I could see any 18% rostered, the best deep threat they potentially have on this team. Remember, over 40% of the air yards are now gone with Marquise Brown out. Didn't look like Rondell Moore is going to be used in any type of field stretching role. We know Hopkins is going to command like 15 targets a game, clearly. But a handful of deep shots to Robbie Anderson could really open this offense up. So I expect him to continue to uh, get worked into an offense that is, I want to keep saying explosive because we think about it as that. It's not right now, but it certainly has the upside to be. We've seen it be so in the past. James Cook, only 21% rostered. There's no real anecdotes to suggest his role is going to get upticked. But I just want to mention that the, the post-buy rookie bump is very real. It's happened every single season where a running back receiver, a handful of people just get their role elevated after the team has a buy. They have time to kind of work them in a little bit more, rest up the, the, the starter, get the game plan, get their feet under them. Last week, Zach Moss was inactive. It didn't lead to much more time at all for James Cook. Um, and when I say last week, I mean last time out there against the Chiefs. They were on bye this week. But after that bye, don't be shocked if James Cook sets his season high in carries and snaps and then is one of the top waiver wire pickups of week nine. Could potentially get ahead and stash him uh, moving forward. And then the trade deadline's not far away, Wolfpack. Only uh, November 1st. So you got about a week and a day. This is the waiver wire to get ahead of it. Maybe Kendrick Bourne gets moved to the Packers. I know we keep speculating on Claypool um, and all these other bigger names, but maybe it's just Kendrick Bourne. Even then, he could be the wide receiver one there. So he's a potential stash. Dearness Johnson, I love this one guy. Shout out Adam Koffler. Uh, came into my DMs to tell me about some of the guys he likes ahead of the trade deadline. I like the play on Johnson. What if Hunt, a lot of trade rumors going around about him. If he's gone, then we got the guy in the Hunt role in Dearness Johnson. And if something ever happened to Chubb, we saw it. You know, what is it, 170 yards, a touchdown his first game on Monday Night Football? Dearness is a beast. I saw it firsthand against my Patriots last year uh, when I went to the Cleveland Browns. Pat's game. He was a beast. I really like Johnson, so we could have a role. And if Bourne gets moved, Tyquan Thornton, only 11% rostered right now. He didn't put up a ton of counting stats last night, but he saw some good looks, definitely made some nice plays, leaping over defenders. I think the kid's a real athlete and I'm excited to see what he does moving forward. All righty, folks, before we get to your questions, and again, a thumbs up button. Thank you so much for your patience. If you've been here the whole time dealing with these technical difficulties with me, my apologies again that you had to. Hopefully, uh, it seems over. I think the, the construction downstairs is done. So hopefully we're, we're out of the, the woods here. But a thumbs up button if you're willing. I know I probably don't deserve it with all these technical difficulties tonight. But if you're willing, it does help us grow, get out to more people. Hopefully we have this thing stamped. If you're catching the replay and you can just kind of jump over um, those things. We always like to, though, make sure to bring up our defensive streamers. Last week, we nailed the defensive streamers out of the park. Cardinals, 17 points. Miami, 12 points. Chiefs, 13. The Jets, probably my top one of last week, was a mess seven. But even then, they didn't lose you your week by any means. So three of the four going for 12 or more fancy points. Not a bad week for the streamers. Let's dive into who I think could do that in week eight. Tennessee at Houston would be my top choice, 41% rostered. They've had a top 10 defense fantasy-wise in two of their last three games, including 19 points last week against the Colts, 6-10 and 10 the other two weeks beforehand. So no real duds or stinkers and two top 10 weeks. They have not given up more than 22 points since week two with Buffalo. <laughs> Buffalo just dismantles everybody they face, so I can give them a pass there. Uh, and they haven't allowed 17 points in three of the, that stretch I was just telling you about. Uh, they have not given up more than 17 points. So uh, given they're facing a Houston team that scored 20 points just once this entire season, 
five ins across their last four games. Davis Mills getting worse by the week, it seems. Four-point road favorite. I think they're going to smash them by more than four. I'm really, really big fan of this team. Um, and the, the really the only thing that the uh, the uh, rather the Texans have going for them is Damian Pierce, their running game. And we just saw the Colts get held to 65 yards on the ground, uh, and uh, they're ultimately – one of only four teams that are allowing less than 100 rushing yards per game in 2022. Texans 25th in scoring, uh, in, or uh, yeah, 28th in scoring, 25th in total offense. Definitely think the Titans are a solid dart throw this week. If you miss on them, uh, spoiler, all of these streaming defenses come from the same conference. I like Indianapolis against Washington. They're awful offense that keeps turning over the ball and putting them in unfavorable situations is brutal. It's covering up the fact that the Colts are quietly ninth in the league in total defense. They're allowing under 315 yards per game, seventh against the pass, 13th in points allowed, 10th in the league with 17 sacks. So by all metrics, a top 10 defense right now, they're just getting fucked because their offense keeps turning the ball over and giving up pick sixes and just horrendousness. So ultimately, I like this indie team that can get to the passer they're facing a Washington team that's given up the second most sacks. We saw Tyler Heineke promptly give up a pick six. May have had a fumble six on Brian Robinson as well, but that got overturned uh, in that game. So I think Washington, fifth most points allowed to defenses against a defense that's really good, just kind of looking not quite as sexy because of how just awful the offense is playing. With 10 sacks in their last three games uh, and two of their last three opponents to 13 or fewer points, I think we could see the Colts do the same thing to Washington, hold them to less than two touchdowns, have you know four to five sacks, maybe even a turnover six. Big fan of the Colts if you miss out on the Titans, and even then maybe they're better uh, on paper, just a better defense. If Sam Ellinger can just kind of control the game, bleed some clock, and just let the defense do its thing, which that's why he's getting the start. He's a runner. He's mobile. Good things could happen. The last team I want to recommend – so you could look to the commanders on the other side of the ball. I'm not going to recommend them just because they've had literally one good game all year, 13 points two weeks ago against Chicago on uh, Thursday night football. They've had no more than five points in any other game. So I'm not going to go to the commanders, even though I like that D line. I think they could harass, um, harass Sam Ellinger. But I think again, they're turning to him because he's mobile and can extend the plays. So I, I wouldn't be shocked to see them not be quite the play. I do like Jacksonville. Dropped by a ton of teams. They got me negative four just a few weeks ago. So trust me, it's taken a lot of pride swallowing here to go back to Jacksonville. 27% rostered. Why is it easy to swallow this pot pride? What's the sugar that's making it a more palatable taste? Is the fact that they're facing the Broncos. Reminder, lowest scoring team in the NFL. No other team has uh, averaged fewer points. And they have not put up over 300 yards in a single game. Their season high is 23 points. So far against the uh, believe the Chargers, they only put up uh, 270 yards in that game too. Awful. They've only topped 16 points once, in fact. That's just abysmal. There's no other way to put it. This is a horrendous team, and whether or not it's Russ Wilson, whether or not it's Brett Ripien, we have the Jags in London, baby, and we know how the Jags fire things up. So big, big fan uh, of the – Jacksonville defense. I like the Broncos too, but they're also much higher rostered at this point. So looking at that division or that, uh, that conference, that division there, the uh, AFC South. So Tennessee first Colts second and Jacksonville third. Those are my three streamers. Let's me know what you think in the comments about those guys. Uh, if you have any defensive questions, this one or that one, let me know as well. 
All righty, Wolfpack. That wraps up our honorable mentions, our defensive streamers, which means if you braved it out with me so far, you are here for our mailbag. And thank you again so much. Apologize once again for those technical difficulties. You have it in your heart to give us that thumbs up anyways. It would be so greatly appreciated. And if you're new here, please do consider subbing to the channel. We had over 2,100 views on this video last week. I don't know if we'll get that this week with these technical difficulties, but if this is your first time watching and you want to join the Wolfpack and hear your questions answered four times a week, that sub button, it means the world as we go and climb to 3K. All righty, Wolfpack, let's start with our first call-in of the night, David Campanelli. My apologies for the technical difficulties, David, but I appreciate you waiting it out with me. How are we doing, my man? We're all good over here, Wolf. As long as you guys are okay, we're, we got this going. Let's do it, baby. Let's do it. How can I help you, my man? So we're coming off a big victory here. Let's go. Um, I got an uh, Njoku on injury yep. in tight end, and I have two running backs that I could grab right now. I can grab J-Rob or I can grab Khalil Herbert. Mm. So who who do you think is better to roster like kind of the rest of the year? Great question. It, it, I it's do. a standard league too, just to let you know. Okay. I lean – I mean, when I look at my rest of season big board, I actually don't know which one I have higher right now. My gut here talking to you, I really like what I saw from Khalil Herbert on Monday night. They keep talking about it being a hot hand in Montgomery. looked good for his part. He did. But Herbert just has a little more juice in my opinion. So if this is a true hot hand, and it did get closer, I believe it was like 16 for Montgomery and 12 to 13 carries for Herbert. If anything happens to Montgomery too, he's right in there, Herbert, of that category with the Rashad Whites, the Madisons of like, I'm going to be a top 10 running back on 25 carries this week. So I think there's just a lot more upside to him. Whereas Robinson's going to be in a timeshare with Carter. Maybe the majority, maybe not, but it's still not. The Jets are winning. It's still fairly ugly offense though. So I like his upside somewhat just because I like the player, but I think Herbert has a little bit more appeal in particular, if you don't need to use them right away, it's just kind of like a stash on the bench. Is that kind of what I'm getting here, David? Yeah. So based on this team, I would. So I'm basically trying to prepare for Saquon's bye week, mm-hmm. where I have Damian Pierce, Pollard, I have AJ Dillon if need be, but the Packers' backfield is not nah. moving and grooving like we wanted them to, um, kind of thing. So this is more like uh, let's get ahead of the curve here and grab someone for Saquon's bye week. Yeah, I, I would probably lean Herbert because it does look like he's going to be pretty usable and just has that huge upside if anything happens. Uh, in terms of tight ends, I mentioned those three, Otten, Dolchix, and uh, I forget who the and, – and Ingram. I think I do prefer the two rookies with a little bit more juice, a little more upside, Got a little it. more unknown products here. Um, is it just a one-week thing or are you kind of waiting for – um, I have Schultz yeah. on my bench that I was riding out waiting to see how Dak came back and everything. So now that Njoku's hurt, it's kind of like, great, Schultz can come back in and be that hopefully tight end five or tight end 12 that we know he is. Yeah. And just make that roster space kind of move. Yeah, I was going to say then, if you have Schultz, I don't know that you need to pick up uh, another guy. He did have a – he got tackled a little awkwardly, so you do want to check his health here too because he, ha- he, he got tackled, his knee bent – in a pretty weird direction. Um, But he walked right back into, I believe, let me just double check it here. Uh, Schultz had five targets. So again, yeah, 25 targets. So five of them, that's, you know, right around a a 20% share right there. Kind of right back to Dax boy um, running 17 of the 28 routes. And again, missed a drive or two because of that awkward tackle. 
I think Schultz, as long as he's healthy, is kind of your boy, and you just ride that one out. Awesome. So, Wolf, one more question. I got a full PPR league. I got Gerald Everett on the bye. Do you roll out – somebody drop Taysom Hill, or do you yes. try to go for like a Fry or like a Gusecki to just fill the void? Is Fry out there? Yes. I go Fry. Um, and I think I, I might even prefer Fry over Everett rest of the season too. Okay. I mean, he's a target hog so far. Every game he's played, he's been right around a 29 to 30% target share. So I'm a big fan of Fry. I do love the upside of Taysom Hill. Like obviously as a one-week ceiling play, he's a beast. But like I think you should have Fry over Everett anyways. And if you want to go, who do the, who the Saints have this week? I haven't even – I did my rankings yesterday. I forget who it is off the top of my head. But like they Saints do have – yeah. I, think it's uh vegas based on what i'm reading okay yeah that that makes sense it is vegas yeah the raiders so not a bad matchup for tight ends either like a good spot for Taysom. so obviously the upside play is him like if you're all these buys are killing you and you're like oh man i just i need to go for the moon it would be Taysom. but either way i'd rather have Fryermuth than gerald everett i'd probably rather have Taysom than everett like you might just be able to cut everett at this point the one risk to that would be Mike Williams' injury being an extended absence, and then like they're going to need targets. So it is tricky. It's a tricky line to toe, but I do think I prefer both those guys to Gerald Everett unless we had Mike Williams like done for the year or something like that. Sounds great, Wolf. Thanks for the help. I appreciate it. Let's keep Congrats it Congrats on the win. Glad to get you back on track, baby. Like, comment, subscribe. Push this to the moon. Cheers. I, I appreciate it, David. You heard the man. Like, comment, subs, everybody. Thank you again, David, for keeping the call-in streak alive. Let's get to the rest of your questions. My man, Tomas Medina from Panama. Should I drop Cam for Kyron or wait for Cam to be traded? I think I'm holding on to Cam through the trade deadline. And if he's not traded, he's probably not going to be used, then you cut him. Um, but I do want to see if he ends up somewhere. I can't imagine there's too many teams begging for Cam Akers or spots he could land and actually have genuine value. But – I think I hold it out just to see. I don't know. I don't know, Tomas. It's tough. Um, the issue with Kyron, we talked about him, but I didn't mention he is a very injury prone. Like he's played like three total minutes in the preseason and the regular season. He's been hurt both times. So I would, I'd hang on to Cam and see what happens here. Uh, other running backs are Kamara Swift, Gus Edwards, Herbert, and Jacobs. Oh, yeah. So you're talking about your trade, Wes. Like you had the depth too to pull that off. So, yes. Even more so. I didn't even have to know your depth to tell you yes. Um, got a rough week with Eckler out. Yeah, I'm there. I have Eckler, Mike Williams. I'm, I'm a big on the Chargers, Y2J29. Uh, Pierce and Aaron Jones. So you got yourself a stacked backfield with Pierce. I mean, lock them in. You got two top 12 running backs there. So let it rip. Who would be your top three wa receiver waiver starts this week? So Wandale, clear cut, number one. Lock him on in. Uh, there's really not a ton of other ones like with these injuries that I love. I guess Paris Campbell with the volume. I know it's a question mark. Who's his quarterback going to prefer? But I do like Paris Campbell. I mean, 12 and 11 targets and is given no reason to go away from him. He'd probably be my next one that's like widely out there. It really depends on your league. Noah Brown did also see seven targets more than CeeDee Lamb on the day. So I he has a nice rapport with Dak. So maybe Noah Brown is another one to just toss out there, but it's not a great waiver wire uh, for wide receivers. I, I guess DPJ, Donovan Peoples-Jones, I don't know who they're facing off the top of my head, um, but he just continues to see seven to eight targets a week, and it's only going to go up, up, up with uh, Deshaun Watson. So that's where I lean just off the top of my head. I'm not buying like Marquise Goodwin unless DK is really hurt. 
Should I pick up Taysom Hill or Hayden Hurst? Ooh, Brett, like that's the floor ceiling debate, right? It does seem like Hayden Hurst running around on about 75% of the plays here. Nice floor, but Taysom Hill to me, the ceiling is just too much to pass up any given week. So I'm going to go Taysom Hill. Should I drop Mike Williams and pick up Palmer? I wouldn't drop Mike, no. Until we get confirmation, like if he's going to be out eight weeks, then okay, yeah, we don't have eight weeks left. You can drop him. But as, as far as I've seen, Brent, there hasn't been any news on um, on him yet. It's probably going to be a high ankle sprain in like three to four weeks. So, yeah, solid chunk here. But he, you've seen what he does so far this year. He's a monster. So I, could, I can't drop him, no. Josh Palmer maybe can be a little plug in your stopgap, but you don't drop Mike. Worth dropping Rashad White for Carter. Thanks, Wolf says Bulldog. I think if you need the usability of Carter, if it's still just bench and like up, you know, you're just trying to have someone on the roster, it's Rashad White for the upside. But if you need Michael Carter to start for you this week, then yeah, like he's going to definitely have a more viable weekly role every single week than Rashad White until unless something happens to Lenny Fournette. Should I trade Kirk and Gabe for Waddle? Um, I don't know. I that's if, if you have the depth fin, like I like Waddle rest of the season more than those two guys. Um, but that's good depth to be passing up. Like Kirk's still he's had a couple duds, but for the most part, it's been solid. And Gabe, I love. Like you know me, I'm a huge Gabe Davis fan. Since he's gotten fully healthy, he's had back to back monsters. Gets more rest during the bye. Like it's Gabe and Waddle are pretty close in the rankings for me. So only if you had really, really good depth, then would I give up those two guys. Because Waddle is the best player, but that's a pretty hefty price, in my opinion. My man Mitch, great to see you. Uh, one big league and the second best score in the other. Oh, that's brutal. Uh, what a kick to the balls. But hey, you always have the right attitude, Mitch. So cheers. Glad to hear you're uh, still crushing it over there. Drop A.J. Dillon or Alec Pierce to bring up Gus the Bus from IR. My man Giuseppe, listen to the show and got your man the Gus. I love it. I would drop Pierce. I, Dillon can't be used, but you have to treat him the same as you're treating a Madison uh, Rashad White. I don't think he's any more than those guys. So, like, the fact that, those, that he's 100% rostered Dillon and those guys aren't is a little asinine to me. But he still is. Like, if something happens to Jones and things happen to Jones most season – Dylan, you're locked walking into a top 10 running back. So you can't drop him. Alec Pierce, like what's the ceiling at this point? A run-heavy offense, a run-obsessed quarterback. I would like to see how he does. Like what if he is Ellinger's boy? Because we've always seen like a quarterback walk in and lock up like Pickens and Pickett. You know, Pickens was looking like nothing, and then Pickett came in and resurrected the season. Could that happen to Pierce? Maybe. So I'd like to see how he does this week. But if it's one or the other, I got to drop Pierce. What's up, Andrea? Always saying hi. Always so nice. Appreciate it. Fournette and Pierce and Henry and Amon Ra. Don't know. Uh, not sure what that comment is, but I like most of those players. Uh, who do I bench out of Najee, Saquon, Etienne, Mike Evans, Cortland Sutton, and Mike Williams when he's healthy? Well, Mike Williams is going to make that easy for you. You can bench him in the near future. And I would say it comes down to uh, Cortland Sutton or Najee any given week, depending on the matchup, how the quarterbacks are playing, Colin Woods. Uh, but it really depends week to week. Stash Deshaun Watson, been winning with Geno and Goff. I'd say Bubba Fett, I would drop Goff. If you have Geno and he can kind of carry you the next couple of weeks till you get Watson, I would probably stash Watson, yeah. I would keep starting Geno. I think he's earned that for sure. Um, and, yeah, I would drop Goff for Watson at that point. Kristen Mann, hi, 12-team league, standard keeper league. Would you drop Connor for Rashad White? 
Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, and already put in waiver for Mike Carter. <sighs> Tough one. I dropped James Conner at one point last year, and we saw him score like 17 touchdowns, 20-something touchdowns maybe, after I dropped him. So I, I cannot in good faith recommend dropping James Conner because he does have elite touchdown upside. It doesn't feel like that's the case this year. This offense is not nearly as explosive. He doesn't look nearly as, as good. I just am worried that those guys aren't quite enough usability during bye weeks to get you through. Cause you can't really use white. Like you gotta be desperate to use white, especially standard, like standard Rashad white. The big thing with him is his pass catching where a standard, you need touchdowns and you, you gotta be hoping Connor just picks it up. I would say, let's wait for the news on Connor. Is he playing this week or not? If he's out again this week and you don't have an IR spot, then yeah, I guess you can do that. Cause I don't think people are going to sprint to get white. Still just a backup, still just a handcuff. But if heading into the week, you know, Connor's still not playing, then yeah, I'd pull that trigger, Kristen. Start Gus or Dante. A good question, Bubba Fett. I'm probably going to go to the Gus bus on Thursday night. We just saw Dante and the Panthers run all over the Bucks. I think the uh, that he'll have the, the same idea. Non-PPR. So, yeah, that doesn't really change it for me. Uh, I pray Paris Campbell fades with the new QB. So, like, Fizzles out? What do you mean fades? Uh-huh. Like doesn't do well? Dolce say leche. <laughs> nice Desmond Bailey. Good shit. <laughs> Got offered Lazard, Everett, and McManus for Michael Thomas and Dan Carlson. I had Pitts at tight end right now. Um, I, yeah, because I, I have a weird feeling Michael Thomas might not play the rest of the year. Like he's just kind of dicking it again. And like Dan Carlson's a great kicker, but kickers are kickers. Like, uh, yeah, I'd probably do that, Tunes. I probably would. Thanks again, Wolfpack. We have a few more questions that we're going to rip through, but that thumbs up button would be so greatly appreciated. Seeing some new names here. Awesome. Love it. Appreciate it. Please do consider subscribing if you have not already. Should I start Wandale or Terry McLaurin? I kind of like – if Dotson's still out, I do like uh, Terry here. Is Ayuk or Jay Robinson a fair deal – uh, or too sweet on one side. Thank you. Um, I prefer IU just because I don't know anything about what Robinson will look like with the Jets. So I, yeah, give me, give me IU on that. Started Jets last week over Niners. I think this week the Niners getting the the Rams the second or third most points allowed to QBs. A lot of pick sixes, a lot of turnovers. I like the Niners this week there. Uh, Y2J. Um, Lamb Cup. Should I trade Devonta Smith for Keenan Allen? I'm five and two. I kind of want to keep all my Eagles. Like I, I think Devonta's having himself a fine year. Keenan just seems like the injury man of the season. Give me Devonta. Give me the youth there. Dolchers or Schultz. I prefer Schultz. I do Michael. I think him and Dak are going to get it going, but I do want to track his health because he did get bent awkward. Already had Pickens, White, and Edwards on one team. Hopefully this means big things. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of these – you got a lot of the guys I love, too, so hopefully it does indeed. Kevin, I stop playing Stan. I agree. Uh, should I trade JT? Uh, maybe. I mean, it depends on, like, what the uh, offer is. Trade JT for Etienne. Ah, man. I think I prefer JT very slightly just because I think this offense gets way more run heavy with the quarterback change. And I think the new quarterback could open up some lanes for JT, so – I'm going to go JT just very slightly over ETN. Would you rather have Madison or Dylan? Probably Dylan. That's close. What's up, Andres? Two or Fields rest of season? 
I'm going to go Tua. Uh, but, man, I meant to include Fields. Like, I didn't talk about quarterbacks because generally there's not many good ones. He's the quarterback for the last three weeks. Running all over the place, second most uh, rush attempts for his pace on the season. I like Fields. That's who I'm going after this week. Need a QB. 12-team PPR. Geno Smith, Daniel Jones, and Winston. I like Geno. Geno's been rock solid all year. I'm going to go with that, Jeff. Thomas Pickens, Wandale, Dubs, if Lazard is out. I'm going Pickens from that group, Andres. Then on running backs. Um, I just answered that one. Uh, I like Kenneth Walker a lot. Robinson's there. Eh. But I guess that worked out for you that Robinson got traded because it might give you some value. I would not trade JT. Dolchitz or Pitts? Uh, I mean, <laughs> Putts or Pitts? Uh, I guess Dolchitz, honestly, at this point. But Pitts, Pitts will turn the shit around. Like, if I'm starting for one week, it's Dolchitz. But, like... I still want to hold on to pits and see if this thing ever pans out. I don't know. Do I need Wandale? My wide receivers are JJ Chase, Gabe David. No, why do you need Wandale? Like if you have those wide receivers, no. <laughs> she just want me to praise your team, Bubba Fett. Is that why you're asking that question? <laughs> Should I trade away Walker and Gabe Davis for Jefferson? That's not a horrible offer. You'd have to have some good running back depth, but I think I prefer the Walker Davis side myself, unless you are loaded at running back and just want like the best possible player there. Flex Wandale Pickens or Pierce. I'm going Pickens, baby. You're welcome, Kristen. Uh, Kareem Hunt or Brian Robinson. I'm going to go Robinson unless Hunt gets traded. Otherwise, Robinson seems locked into the workload. Thank you. Much appreciated, Y2J. Thank you. I know you've been here from the start with the, uh, the, issue, the technical issues. Everybody here that's been here for the technical issues and still here, much, much appreciated. We'll have to make sure to stamp that and get those technical issues out of here. Um, but you guys are so appreciated for sticking it out with me. Foreman and Pollard on waivers. I would definitely go Pollard, especially as a backup. So much upside, usability with it too. He actually outsnapped Zeke this week. Go Pollard, definitely. Flex spot. Start D. Cook or Stevenson. I got to go D. Cook there. I mean, Stevenson did get like his highest, even with Harris back, saw like 40 snaps to nine snaps. Like, that was beautiful. But I'm I'm still going Cook. Like he had a monster day his last time out. He's been scored, I think, three touchdowns last two. To me, it's a little bit safer. Ravens are stream Panthers, Atlanta are commanders. I guess stick it out with Ravens at that point. Bucks offense has been a nightmare lately. So Tomas, I stick it out. Alrighty, Wolfpack. Well, thanks again. Thumbs up on your way out. Would be so appreciated. Even though, again, the technical I get it. It was ugly, but we made it through. You guys waited it out with us. So greatly appreciated for you to be here tonight. All our content is at rotostreetjournal.com. We breed and feed you fancy wolves. Like subs on your way out. So appreciate it. Check out the website. My rankings and everything will be up there. Tons of analysis, tons of great writers. We have such a great staff. We're growing huge this year. You guys are awesome because of fans like you. So thanks so much. And a wolf full of fantasy sheep. Be the wolf. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause, oh, 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 and wave out to the crowd, and take our final bow, oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show, 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 at least we stole the show. Second effort, third effort, touchdown! Oh. That's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned.
football right there, folks.